This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice. But now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Hey, Potential Podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com slash potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being and let's get checked. So, Taylor, it was your first time watching. What did you think of Avatar? Well, got to be honest, Chris, I was just so surprised. I mean, everyone was so blue. Wait, 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 wait. Did you watch Avatar or Avatar The Last Airbender? Um, I'll bring it back. Welcome back to the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. I'm joined by my co-host, the Earthbending Master himself, Taylor Sokol. How are we doing, Taylor? I am good. I'm ready to uh, bend the earth to my will. Would that make you a firebender? What would you be then? Oh, yeah. I'm totally a firebender. Uh-huh. I have those small <laughs> moments of rage where I want to use the passion. Oh, I know. Soul. I felt their wrath before. <laughs> Director, Just burn people. 
But um, no, very excited for today's episode. We are now in November. Welcome to November, listeners of 2020. Today is an interesting day. This episode is airing on Election Day of 2020. Um, of course, we won't get the final results today because there's so many mail-in ballots, drop-off ballots. You know, it's a very different year this year for the election. So for, for many things, of course, but especially the election, you're right. So it's going to be interesting to see how this is all going to come together. But hey, everyone just had patience, you know, and again, mm-hmm. as we say, take one day at a time and we're just, you know, hoping for the best. I think that's been one of the biggest lessons of 2020 is reminding you I agree. of patience, you know. Absolutely. You just can't, you know, these things can't be rushed right now. We got to just, you know, go with the flow, which is actually a a big concept of what we're going to be talking about today, because uh, this show and two shows we're going to be talking about on the podcast today have a lot to do with uh, connecting to your body, connecting to your presence, your, your chakras. And we wanted to talk today about a show in particular. It's one of my all-time favorite tv shows yes he's obsessed folks (laughs) i'm obsessed i remember watching it when it first came on nickelodeon and luckily it has just got a new rebirth of life as many shows have now streaming on netflix and that is avatar the last airbender oh yeah we're gonna get into that today so this is a show that was created by michael dante DiMartino and brian konitsko and this is a three well first half we're going to talk about the og avatar the last airbender yes this was a three season show that was kind of set in a mythical somewhat version of earth and it deals with a lot of concepts that is probably truer to asian cultures it's kind of that somewhat middle ground of an anime show meets a lot of the action kind of funny cartoons that we know in America and it just has one heck of a incredible story it's so funny it's so touching and it's just brilliant animation so before we go into this if you have not seen Avatar The Last Airbender or The Legend of Korra we'll talk about in the second half Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. There it is. You've heard it, folks. Yeah, I, as you said, yes, uh, this came out years ago, but because streaming is bringing a whole new li- lease in life of shows and movies to new generations of TV watchers, you may have not been a fan or have witnessed the show and its original airing like I did. And of course, before this, we decided this episode, Chris gave me the task and recommended that I watch the show because he said, we're definitely, he's like, dude, we're going to, uh, we're going to do episode. episode season yeah. one. We're doing Avatar and Korra. So yes, if you've not seen the full show, we will be talking about major plot points during this episode. So might be best to go watch the show and come back and listen to our chat on the material. So to start off with here, Taylor, I can definitely remember when I first watched it, but being a new new watcher to the series what was your overall take on getting to experience and you know diving into this world of benders and fighters and this kind of sense of war of nations and this story and lore of the avatar well 
to be honest, Chris, I didn't know what I was going to get into. I didn't, I had heard of the show, and so I was a little uh, apprehensive because I really wanted to enjoy it. And when I got into it, uh, when I first started, it was a little bit slow for me in the beginning, um, just because there's there's so much to kind of get into. But as season one progressed, and then season two, and then the final season, I really got hooked. Uh, the things that I really enjoyed about the show, first of all, for an animated show, is really impressed of the dialogue the themes uh, i wrote a, a couple things i wanted to definitely give a shout out to i thought that there was a great plot it's a very great plot easy plot to follow and i think whether you're an adult or a kid you can really enjoy that and as you said where this is set in it's a really great world building as as the story goes along the nations and the people that interact with each other and the different tribes of the different vendors mm -hmm. i thought they did a really great job because they really did connect it all it wasn't like okay well this season there were different themes but no we're going to go back to that okay you remember those characters they're going to be important later on where a lot of shows they don't do that very well and they may like they'll forget a plot line or something but everything was connected very well and it continued to progress and build on itself throughout the series till the finale so I thought it was really great. Yeah, of often course. you see a lot of you see a lot of cartoon shows that are in the same style. There's a lot of one-offs. There's a lot of you know just that one bad guy for that one episode, or it's you know a plot line that only really sticks to one episode. There's a few moments like that in the show because, especially the first two seasons in particular, had you know fair amount of episodes to fill for even a cartoon show, and. They could they could easily have you know made all these seasons shorter, which is what they I think they've kind of figured out their formula for the Legend of Korra, which is why there's only so many episodes per book of that show. But you're totally right. The thing that is so impressive about this show is the world building first and foremost. It everything looks so real. Everything looks authentic. Everything looks like it belongs. Nothing looks out of place. And this show deals not only with the real world the material world but also the spirit world and it it doesn't ever come off like hokey or like that was a weird choice everything seems to fit how it should and for a show that also has a huge blend of really really funny humor they really play that line of this is a show at times that is perfect for kids but there's a lot of themes that adults understand and I think it also teaches a lot of great lessons for kids that we'll get into here. So, of course, Avatar The Last Airbender, what is the plot? Well, there is a kind of power throughout the land that certain people are blessed with the material or the, the power, I should say, to bend the elements. Some yes. people can bend air, some can bend fire, some can bend earth, and some can bend water. Well, there is a person who is titled the Avatar who is supposed to be the master of all four elements and kind of brings the balance to the universe. So typically what happens is if there's war raging, if there's something going bad, the avatar is kind of that, that kind of leader that is supposed to bring the peace and is blessed with incredibly dangerous powers if used in the wrong hands. Yes. And so they're kind of the peacekeeper. Well, we learn that our new avatar who is a 12-year-old boy when he finds out Aang. Um, he just has this kind of, 
he's a really sweet boy who doesn't long for violence. He doesn't long for... He has this beautiful innocence about him. And he ends up in a moment of terror, realizing that he's supposed to be the Avatar. He actually makes a kind of like ice time machine kind of spell that ends up binding him in ice with his Sky Bison, Appa, and they're stuck in ice for a hundred years. Well, over the course of that hundred years, without the Avatar, without this person that's supposed to be the balance of everything, the Fire Nation ends up stirring war and wants conquests, and they, as you kind of guessed it, become the bad guys of this whole show. So we're a hundred years now in the future, and these two siblings, Katara and Sokka, who are part of the southern uh, uh, waterbending tribe, they one day just kind of end up finding the Avatar. They kind of break this ice, and it releases Aang, and it releases Appa, and Aang still thinks he's a 12-year-old kid. Like, he hasn't aged a day, and he is now discovering that the world that he knew 100 years ago is no more. And now the Fire Nation has taken over a lot of the planet. And it's his job to eventually face the Fire Lord and bring peace to the land. And along the way, a lot of stuff happens. Absolutely. I mean, this is an incredibly <laughs> dense show too, because the, the ultimate thing about this show was, okay, you got the overlong arc of, of course, the Avatar one day has to face the Fire Lord. Good versus the, evil. Good versus evil a general plot that's using all kinds of things, right? But then there's so much about family, redemption, um, you know, people changing their way of life, people, as you said, connecting tribes that maybe ne wouldn't connect before now do, which is why I bring up probably my favorite character of the show next to Sokka, of course. I think you and I are both Sokka tribe guys because he's just hilarious, is Zuko, this character of the prince of the Fire Nation who thinks it's his destiny to capture the Avatar, but in the long run ultimately becomes a ally in front of the Avatar and sees that what his dad and sister are doing and what the Fire Nation is doing is ultimately wrong. And there's so many parallels that even though this is a show that came out in 2005, 2008, we're seeing those parallels even to today. And it's kind of been like through all time. It's very, it's a very timeless theme. And you bring up a great point as he is a very, starts out as a one note character that he um, is seeking redemption himself. He is seeking the honor of his father. And there's the the theme of fathers. There's also that theme of uh, family is, is deeper than blood. It, it's, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be blood. Um, and father figures come in many forms. But Zuko creates is one of the best villain redemption arcs in, in animation, I would say, and also in a lot of TV series. I was really mm -hmm. impressed because I, I didn't see that coming. You, you were great. You didn't tell me what was going to happen. And I mm -hmm. just stuck to the show, uh, full disclosure here. And so when I'm watching this show, I didn't see where it was going to go. I thought you know, he's going to either just, this guy's going to get killed or whatnot, but to see one of the best plots point was Zuko's redemption. And throughout the series, as he realizes that 
your destiny is what you choose it. And all these characters yes. are finding what they're meant to do. And even Aang, as you said, I mean, he was scared of what his destiny was. He ran from it. And so he's redeeming himself as, of course, he's this main hero, but he's got to learn how to harness all these elements he still has not done. And, and he knows he has a job to do, but he's still scared. So there's a lot of that fear too. But I was really impressed with how fleshed out, not only Zuko, but a lot of these characters were. And talking yeah, even, about even oh, even gotta... to the villains, the villains are well flushed out as well because you have, uh, you know, Zuko has this huge long arc. You have his father Ozai, and you kind of get why he is the way he is. And uh, even near the end, when he is defeated, there's just still this weird kind of darkness to him that he he you know it's like he brought this upon himself. And then one of the, my other favorite characters is Zuko's sister Azula, who is this bat crazy she's um, the she's the flip side of zuko where where he is the, the yin to the yang that battle and see in the, you know in three and the final one that two of them are finding each other just these shots of you know the red and the blue and the, the, it's just it's so beautiful but another great character is iroh uh zuko's uncle, uncle yes lord ozai's brother who again a character that we learn has had somewhat of a redemption arc pre this show. He was someone that was a conqueror. You know, he almost conquered Ba Sing Se, one of these, you know, biggest cities in this world. And he was known as Iroh the Dragon. He had all these, you know, he's immensely strong firebender. And yet through the whole show, all he's ever doing is trying to calm Zuko down. He's there having tea. He's such having a very tea, zen. Talking about peace and we see that even in the end, he's able to forgive his nephew after his nephew turns his back on him. Because that's the great thing too about Zuko. Zuko has these moments where he gives in to his own fear of his destiny. And he, you know, it's kind of like that Kylo Ren kind of vibe, that Anakin vibe where he has the moment to step up and then he just gives in, goes back because he thinks, no, I'm supposed to be this fire prince and, I want my dad's acceptance. And yeah. in the end, that whole, the whole thing about yeah. destiny and free will that we are the architects of our own demise and our own success. And it is it, for an animated show. And I'm going to talk about this probably again. This made me cry almost at times where you get really emotional. I mean, for oh, an yeah. animated show to do that. Wow. Good on you. And I want to backpedal a little bit because I want to talk mm -hmm. about Sokka. Uh, this is another thing that I, I wanted to say because I, again, I had notes. I wanted to make sure I'm prepared. <laughs> Good. Uh, I'm glad. I, we take this seriously. I think he was one of the very, one of the best written comic relief characters. There's so many times in shows or movies or sitcoms, what have you, there's always that character who's the wisecracking, goofy uh, character that just is there to to bring laughs and kind of mm -hmm. sort of break the fourth wall, a little tongue in cheek humor and make fun of what the situation is. Many times when you're watching those shows, it's very, it's nice in the beginning and then it gets mm -hmm. very tedious and like, okay, this guy, this girl, this person is getting on my nerves. But I thought <laughs> he was so well written and he wasn't annoying. It was just like, I look forward to his quips throughout the, throughout the show. And of course, as he goes along, he still is funny and goofy, but he has this moments in the end when he has to step up and to show to like his father that he's a man and he's worthy. Uh, because again, the great thing about Sokka is he's surrounded by all these powerful uh, air 
And yeah, he's he's like, not a bender. No, he, he maybe maybe he's like, a comic bender. Yeah. But <laughs> you'd have to imagine you're you're in this team that has benders of all types, and he does not bend. And I'm sure that 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 idea that you know Katara and Sokka's dad is out fighting the war, so he's like really the only warrior left at their tribe and it's all like a bunch of little kids and then the way that their tribe works is the girls are not fighters they're healers so he kind of he puts so much pressure to be this warrior that he does eventually become but it must be kind of you know nerve-wracking to be like what do i have to offer in this group but the thing that is great is he he's kind of like the captain america of the group where like he he comes up with these battle plans. He comes up with strategy. And yes, yeah, sometimes it is very out there and it, it's not quite the right path, but he's just a great character. And speaking of, you're talking about this idea of redemption, this idea of him learning what his strengths are. Another great thing the show tackles a lot is about uh, feminism and the power of women. And there's also, there's a whole great kind of moment where he this is like episode three or four. Yeah, it's in the very beginning of the show. One of the like first episodes, you know, they run into this group of girls and he just doesn't think that they're warrior types at all. And they totally kick his butt. And he comes in the next day and he's like, I would be honored to learn your ways. And we already start seeing this trend of sometimes Sokka putting his foot in his mouth about women, but then ultimately knowing that women are, you know, they're badass. And yeah. this show has some badass girls. And we'll start off, of course, with Katara. Katara is a great role where it starts off that very, she's she is that sassy sister who gets angry at Sokka a lot because he is the knucklehead. And she's not even like at her most powerful as a waterbender. And over the course of the show, she's going to learn so much about her power, what she can do, what she can accomplish, and how much not only is she a caring person, but she carries so much anger and fear that sometimes it brings out a darker side in her. And just to see her grow with Aang, you know, the funny thing is about the way the show is, you kind of think, okay, if Aang is 12, even if he's 112, Katara to me always came off like 15, 16. Yeah, she definitely was in her like mid to late teens. So it's not like, of course, it's not like weird because there's a bunch of kids and you know, you have to you have to imagine with all the traveling they do in this show, it probably took like two, three years. It's not like it's all like, you know, a span of a month that this whole show happens. But it's just funny because Aang looks so young and Katara does too, but not as much. So the fact that there's this love story with them, I'm like, I kind of see it if it was a few years later, but it doesn't read right away because he's so young. Yeah. Another great character is Toph. Um, one of your tribe, uh, the blind <laughs> Toph, who is just so so funny, but another powerful character that is an extremely good earthbender, and she also discovers metal bending, which that was the cool thing they started well, doing like mixes to make, of to make again you know. not only on top of empowering women but empowering people who are disabled. It's like yes, she's blind, but she has use that and adapted it to mm-hmm. suit her needs to to literally use the environment to her advantage and she comes off is she's kind of like the grandma of the group which is funny we'll talk about this <laughs> yes. later because she is she's their age but she she comes off as this know-it-all and she just mm-hmm. like 
so done with it. I think the fact that because she is blind and she's grown up like that, she's had to fend for herself. So to everyone else, she's like, I don't need you. I'm up. And then see, she kind of warms up to the group too, because she's kind of like the little outsider. So mm-hmm. you really start getting, you've got, everyone's got their own little niche in this group. You got the comic relief, you got the strong uh, nurturing leader, and you've got Aang, the plucky, you know, her, a hero who's got to do his thing. And you got Toph, who's just, the, her her and uh, Sokka, I just crack up some of their little banter between each other. And then when she gets a little sassy with um, Katara, I was, I was laughing. I chuckled quite a few times in a lot of those episodes. Uh, what I want well, to I mean, talk- oh, like, go ahead. I was oh, going to no. say, no, like yeah, the, the, the humor definitely is one of the best elements of the show. And something that I think is funny is that sometimes the humor is even about the show itself. Like that one of my favorite episodes of all time in this series is right near the end they go to see a play in the Firebending Nation. Their, me- their meta episode. Which is all about their journey from the beginning. And it's all these like, you know, really bad actors on stage. And them watching and reacting to what their journey's been up until what's going to be the ultimate finale. And just the humor of like a huge guy is playing Toph and Toph loves it. And Sokka's like giving the Sokka actor lines to use. <laughs> He's like, that joke was okay, but try this one. It's just like that, yeah, that meta humor. And the other one that always made me laugh in that play is like when they're like, did Jet die? And they're like, uh, we don't know. Because that was a, a dark element of season two. That whole bossing say underground, the Dai Li, mind control. You know, these dark elements that make the show really rich with not just the same typical like it's the villain with the sword. There's so many layers to this that. Yeah. It's not the know, typical, you know, I'll get you kids, you know, like, no, no, it's like people, people die. People uh, get corrupted. They get maimed. It's, I mean, even blood bending, blood yeah, bending. Was, oh, that you know, was a dark creepy. episode. Yeah. There's a whole episode where um, she finds uh, Katara, like oh, learns this ability. Oh, I can do all this. And then she's kind of this kind of witch like character. Mm-hmm horses are and like learn this power and the, mo- the moon shines because the moon has a lot of connection to uh the like oceans the tides and so it mm-hmm. helps it helps with water bending as the sun and comets help with fire bending and she teaches like well you can bend as long as you can find water anywhere well what are we made up of 67 percent water <laughs> so literally they find this way to control your blood and it's like puppetry to make you start moving and it's really creepy and i was like what another great element in getting a little more into that horror side, which yes. you know, would pretty cool. Well, I want to I want to bring up another th- great thing about the show, and we talked about this. You hinted about this, and talking about all the nations and where this is set, it is heavy influence of Asian Asian cultures. Mm-hmm. But what I think is really great is there really isn't many times, if at all, that anyone any asian cultures or um you know nations are made fun of i thought it was really well done they make it very respectful and almost like an ode because a lot of again the the bending and finding inner peace these are uh, these are odes to a lot of asian religions and i think they do such a great job at building these worlds and these characters that nobody feels like a, a caricature no one's being made fun of and it's very beautiful. And I thought, and also leads to the, some great voice casting. I thought they did some great 
characters and yeah it's really cool what the show is you have not only just some like kind of younger actors that a couple have been like nickelodeon stars and done a couple shows with that but you have some big name actors in this show that were voice cast and they continued that and did even more with that with cora and it's just shows that this was kind of that little show that could i think it started and it just took off and it got a lot of that attention and I think it was because they did so much detail work with the world building, being respectful. It's obvious, it's not blatantly any specific, you know, culture or country that we know of today, but clearly influenced by so much of, you know, Asian kind of culture, which leads actually to, I think, another great element of the show is the fighting itself. The fighting in this show is so fun to watch because yes there's times where it's just that kind of martial art action with either swords or fighting but then it's the mixing in with the elements that really makes us some entertaining fights because the earthbenders can throw full boulders or they can make rock ledges out of nowhere firebenders can throw fireballs they can do fire whips they can do lightning yes you know these these really cool and then again these kind of twists and turns of taking elements and oh what else can we you know metal bending is you know once the earth has been conducted into metal again, again it goes to the writing and the world building the fact is they okay in the very first two episodes first episode they establish it so well what's going on here's what's happening and as you go along okay it's very easy to follow but then it's like okay let's build in the mythology it's like well one could suggest that you know you can use water you could create ice because again you are there is a bit of the science and the mysticism to it that i think is really great but there's never any time where they uh go back and there's no plot holes in that i thought that was very airtight what they did and and never was a time where i'm like well that makes no sense it's like no they're doing a really good job with this and i'm following it really well and i'm like oh that's a cool thing i didn't think about that i mean like you said with toff when she finds out I mean, what is metal, but it's, you know, elements from the earth. And Uh and she's like, oh, I can bend. So there's a lot of great stuff, which of course helps uh, lay a foundation for future stuff. Uh, But so incredible. And going back to, you're talking about the fighting and you're seeing them using like fire and electricity. I thought the animation was really well done. And I think that they, they do such a great job of that very classic animation that, you know, we've grown up to, but then starting to get that really good, computer animation where the yeah especially with the elements you can tell there's moments with computer animation but it's it's very minor and usually it's more of the sets sometimes have the computer animation but yeah to see a whole show still in that 2d animation style not a, a fully computer animated show it really blends this kind of again that anime that has become such a popular staple of entertainment but just making it a little less of you know we need a full show with subtitles it's you know it's all of course in american english and another thing i thought was really cool about this show is again it's this idea of like it 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 feels like our earth just you know like in an ancient time but we have all these mixed breed of animals so like there are a few animals in the show that are just one animal like we're used to in our planet yeah but there's all these animals that are combo animals so it's not like you know 
a, it's like a saber tooth moose, um, a platypus yeah. bear. You have the sky bison, you know, this giant bison that happens to know how to fly. It's like really funny how they kind of developed all these different animals. And that's another thing I think about the show does really well is talking about themes. We've been you know going about themes. Nature and conservation is another big thing they talk about in this show. The treatment of animals, respect of nature, uh, finding balance and not, you know, a lot of the Fire Nation, they do a lot of things with factories or refineries, uh, you know, creating weapons, creating uh, tanks, and it, you know, pollutes the water or does yeah, this. Showing the, showing the negativity or the negative aspects of industrialism. Mm-hmm. And there was such, there's such a great episode where they, they use, it was a great episode where they talk, um, there's this factory that's polluting this um, this whole like town. A, like a lake, a town yeah, around. It's yeah. all it's all on docks and still it's very like um, uh, you know, one of those old kind of backwood, you know, towns mm-hmm. uh, on a swamp. And the, obviously the av- team avatar, we're going to call them, <laughs> the, 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 the main group. And of course they get involved and help that town. But what's so great is that blends that aspect of environmentalism and also the little mysticism where uh, Katara uses a, a local legend to uh, kind of strike fear into her heart. So there's a, like the folklore and it was a really good show uh, episode, excuse me, that one, because it definitely blended a lot of great elements of what makes the show so great, but also teaching a message. And I think we've really hit the nail on the head, the show, every episode and the great theme is it's always teaching you great elements. It is set in an ancient time, but there is such stuff that speaks to what's going on today and speaking about topics that have been going on for unfortunately years and stuff that we'll probably still face that really mm-hmm. gives you that good lesson i think which is very rare for a lot of animated shows especially with it nickelodeon. Is, it, yeah nickelodeon which you know yeah they've had other cartoon shows that do talk about real life issues and things that are important especially for kids to hear but not to this degree that i can remember in a way that's also funny entertaining fun to watch has a lot of action it's just like you know so much is jam-packed into the show you know it's it's also one of those shows where because there's so much that's involved in this show you're kind of like wow just three seasons like they could have gone on for a lot longer if they wanted to actually the thing though was for a lot of nickelodeon shows and for a lot of disney channel shows a lot of the standard was three seasons and done that actually was a typical thing. If that, think, yeah. If that. I think what was smart was they knew where the story needed to end and they didn't they didn't want to stretch this too far because this show could have been stretched too far and it could have maybe not worked. I think they knew exactly like we got to get Aang from he's delivered from the ice to this point so he can start learning his next element to this point, leave it on a cliffhanger that he's damaged and he's not in a good mental state. And our our arc of our villain, who we thought was on our side, is now back to villain. To then our ultimate last book, where he has to finish learning. You know, that's another big one I thought was cool. Is he has this hesitation to learn fire because he he doesn't think he can control well. He's yeah. damaged Katara with it, mm-hmm. and they you know you kind of compare the elements of what will be the opposite of each. Like we're so used to water and fire, you know, hot and cold being different, but there is that kind of air and fire, air fuels fire. So you'd think because he's such a strong airbender, 
he'd be really strong at being a firebender, which eventually he does become a pro at it. But um, just, yeah, the show is just, it's, you know, I remember seeing it on Nickelodeon when it first came out. So let's see, 2005, 2008, that would have been me finishing, you know, my last year or half of high school into college. And even then I remember being like, I, I every, you know, Friday, if new episode, if I could, I would watch it. I eventually bought the whole series on iTunes. I remember getting on my iPod video at the time. <laughs> Dating ourselves here. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I, I am so happy that it is on Netflix now for not only people like you who didn't have a chance to see it before and get to now, but also, especially this year, this year has been such a pain in the butt because everything that's been going on. Well, I mean, if you look at the technical aspects, uh, aspect, excuse me, of just sitting at home and adding, you know, all these great content for streaming for us to entertain ourselves, but the themes and the, the struggles that we're going through this year with, there's a lot of divisiveness um, around the world, but particularly right now in our country. And there is a lot of change that needs to be done. And what better way to, to present that than the show? And with characters that are, they're flawed. They're well-developed. The, you know, There's such amazing themes. And this was well thought out. And I got to go back to your point of saying how they knew where they needed to go. And I thought they ended it and wrapped it up very nicely that it showed that they knew what they were doing. Where a lot of the times with these shows, or the end, it seems all rushed. It's kind of thrown together. No, this is great. It was not wrapped up too perfectly, but enough like, okay, this made sense for everyone's journey from the beginning. And I was like, I wanted more, but I was very happy and pleased with what they created for those three seasons. Well, luckily, a few years later, we would get more in a follow-up series, The Legend of Korra, which we'll be talking about right after this. Headphones, mic, laptop, software. Long ago, the four technologies worked together in harmony. Then everything changed when the laptop network attacked. Only the podcaster, master of all four elements, could stop them. When the world needed him most, he stopped recording. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered the new podcaster, a software render named Gain. Although his software rending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to record anything. But I believe Gain can entertain the world. Hurry up, Uncle! We must move faster. I must capture the podcaster. Prince Echo, you must learn patience. Your destiny may lie down a different path. Why don't you enjoy some tea with me? I don't want tea. Ugh. Edit your anger, Prince Echo. We will get to the podcaster when we can. Look, Taka. It's him, the podcaster. I don't think so, Katara. He's like 12 years old. Hi there, my name's Gain. You guys want to go sound wave riding with me? Listen, Baldy, we don't have time for that. There's a laptop network boat 
heading our way. I love the laptop network. One of my best friends is from there. Kitara, did you hear that? He's working for the enemy. The enemy? What are you talking about? Gain, the laptop network has been slowly taking over the world these past hundred years. I think it's your job to master the four elements and save the world. Yeah, or else we are doomed. Okay, sounds like a plan. I need to master the other three elements, and then I can become the podcaster. Not so fast, podcaster. Careful, Gain. He's a laptop render. We can make a quick escape on my Sky Bison, Co-Appa. Let's go. Yip, yip. <laughs> yeah! Wow, Bolly's got some moves. I'll give him that. Oh, the podcaster got away. Prince Echo, there's no need to dwell on that now. We will chase him again tomorrow. Now, how about that tea? Ah! So, Gain, where to first? Which element you want to master next? Maybe a little headphone action? Yeah! Or some mic pounds? Boom! Yeah, Gain, where to first? The software nomads always said, go with the flow. Let's see where the wind carries us. Hopefully it carries us to some food. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Wow, that's awesome. Now that looks cool. Oh my gosh. It's like it's got it all. Action, comedy, podcasting. Work. Podcasting. The podcaster. Can't wait to check it out. Oh my gosh. So cool. Well, Avatar the Last Airbender ended in 2008. And four years later, we get a follow up series that takes place 100 years after the events of The Last Airbender. And that is The Legend of Korra, which was a cool follow up show that lasted four seasons compared to three. The difference being each season was about 12 to 14 episodes each compared to where Avatar each season was about 20 to 24 episodes. Mm -hmm. So they were shorter, but it was cool to have a, you know, a, a new style of the show while still having all these fun, these fun elements of, you know, the past. And you said that was uh, 170 years, actually. Oh, it's 70. I thought it was 100. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. Um, yeah, this is 70 years after because a lot of the, some of the characters. Shows still... how much I know. Well, actually, that's the thing. <laughs> Korra was not a show that I was a diehard fan of when it came out, not because I didn't think it was good. It's just that now I was, you know, I was working and I was, I was kind of busy doing other things. But I remember seeing the first two seasons, I want to say, and then I kind of just forgot about it. But the show was also brought to Netflix a few weeks after Avatar was. So now both series are completely on Netflix, which is awesome. So The Legend of Korra. Well, another thing we didn't talk about with Avatar is there's the cycle of the Avatar. When the Avatar passes away, then a new Avatar is born. And so there's never not an Avatar unless the Avatar is killed in a way with spirit world magic to where the you know that that kind of is a plot point that happens in Korra is potentially ending the cycle of the avatar but after you know Aang lives a long happy life doing his thing keeping the peace but eventually his time comes so we have now a new avatar Korra who her main power is water bending but she is 
really good at all the elements. She learns quite quickly. And she is someone that has to come to this new city that looks a lot like a kind of like a modern day. Well, maybe not modern day, maybe like a um, it's like it's a lot 1920s of... kind of like, you know, uh, it, it's, um, yeah, it's got a lot of like uh, Chinatown meets Avatar, if you will. Um, and I mean, like the movie with Jack Nicholson, but uh, <laughs> Republic City is where they go to. And this city is like a huge like Bossing Sing Bossing Say was the big city of Avatar. Well, now we have a city that looks like a New York City. It's I was happy to not. I heard Bossing say way too many times in the yeah. Avatar. I was like, you get a, a, a game out of that. And I was like, if they say that one more time. But of course, yeah, Republic City becomes the new kind of hub. That um, is kind of the area. new hub of the show. It's a huge city, like a New York City or Chicago. But again, it's not our modern type. It's again with that culture, that historical culture that they've been developing in the show. But what I like about the legend of Korra is off to the start is it, it already feels like we're in a more technological age than we were in Avatar. Avatar yeah. did have, we had like tanks and submarine things and we had uh, blimps and stuff, but now there's like motorized cars, trolleys. Planes. There's so much more yes. in this. So it kind of does show that kind of like, maybe it's more like the 19th century, like more stuff has been developed. Or well, I think century. right off the bat, it's great where it's very challenging when you do a reboot, you do kind of a sequel series or a mm -hmm. spinoff to, there's a lot of that sense where you want to do the same of what was great, but you need to change it up. And right off the bat, we've got a, a lot of the same places, but it's a new world. And of course, our main character is definitely a completely different style and person oh, hugely different from ang she's got a temper she's got a lot of pride she she definitely thinks she's all that in a bag of potato chips <laughs> and she's come to republic city thinking i'm here to be the avatar so i'm here to be security be you know a help and like the first person she starts taking out a few guys that are trying to rob this shop and the cops show up and they're like you're under arrest. And she's like, what are you talking about? I just helped you find the bad guys. Yeah, I'm the avatar. I'm the avatar. <laughs> and then and, like, uh, they yeah. take her in, like they, they arrest her. It's like, she's like, what? And it's like a completely different situation. So she's kind of getting used to being in the city. She's not lived in a city her entire life. She's lived no. out well, in she, the outskirts. Yeah. She's been of, raised you know, to believe, you know, she, she has this great destiny and she's ready to meet it head on. And, you know, she's already ready to go. And so right off the bat, it's a it's a great fish out of water story because she's kind of thrust herself in uh, to the modern world and she's not prepared. And of course, she ends up meeting uh, two great characters who uh, will be <laughs> another focal point. There's something about avatars and siblings. They always gravitate towards siblings. They like to have at least some kind of sibling. But yeah, we get two male siblings. We get Mako and Bolin who uh, Mako is a firebender and Bolin is an earthbender. And they are two brothers. And unfortunately their parents are no longer with us. So they're orphans and they're kind of just like doing their thing in the city, trying to make ends meet. Yeah. They're and doing this kind of a cool, like there's a new sport that of new course sport has been developed. 
yeah. that is kind of like a bending dodgeball. I guess yeah, you could kind of put it that yeah. way. It looks like a Pokemon stadium with like different markers and it's a bending tournament. So that's you, what I thought you, when I first watched it, I was like, all right, uh, oh, send your, send your <laughs> toy looks like the Pokemon stadium just put above water, but they're kind of these cool uh, in these bending tournaments and they're trying to make, you know, enough money to maybe get a new job or get a new place to live. They're, they're, they're poor and they're not really in the best of situations. Uh, also, Cora meets her kind of her her master, her mentor, her uh, uh, her teacher. Her we have sensei. Tenzin, her sensei, who is a uh, J.K. Simmons. This is pretty cool, you know, to get a huge name like that. And he is uh, one of the sons of Aang. So he is a airbender and he's an airbending master. And he's got like the whole robes. And I mean, he's very very strict he's he's a very you know for being ang's kid we learned that ang had three children with katara and the other siblings are more yes folks they got together yeah yeah they did actually uh get married in the end and have kids um you could tell that the other siblings had a lot more of the funny humor part of ang but he got really like the strict part he's not really ever funny he's very and she's like she just has this like troubled relationship with him at first because she she doesn't really put a lot of trust and faith that he's doing what's best for her yeah and he's very protective and very like you're the avatar you need to learn this and actually what's funny is the element that she needs the most help with is airbending mm-hmm. she can do everything else but airbend so again this kind of fun cycle that since ang was the last avatar and was a master airbender above all now it's the opposite we also get a great first villain. What's cool about these Korra series is, although sometimes the villains do play into other seasons, each book has its own main villain. A huge kind of change from what the Avatar setup was. Yeah, there was villains that showed up in all three seasons, but it was like Ozai was the overlining main bad guy. Every one of these books has a different villain. My favorite probably of the four is still probably the first season, Amon. I agree. Because, well, first of all, this whole first season, very dark because you have very this kind of V for Vendetta, this mass mm-hmm. figure that's going around. And his ability is he's able to, like the Avatar, he's able to take everyone's ability to bend an element. So, and I mean, like, t- that would be, that would be just, you know, if you had the, you know, you get asked all the time and drinking games or, you know, you're playing Mad Libs or, if you, you know, had a whatever. Power, it is. What would it be? If you were a superhero, what power would you want? I'd want to fly. I'd want to be invisible. Well, if you're a bender, yeah, you'd love to do fire, earth. Well, if you had that since you were born and you were a master of it, and I don't know where some guy took your power away. I mean, well, it's an it. allegory. It's an allegory for that's your identity. That's what you grew uh, up. That's that's what you're related to. So, so who yeah, are you without it? Yeah, his power is that he somehow has taken away bending, but he is a non-bender. That's what he claims to be the entire time. But of course, we know there's going to be something more about this Amon character. And it actually is, it's a great plot where, you know, eventually it's revealed that he is actually a waterbender and he's a bloodbender. And he is doing that thing that we learned in Avatar series, but he's doing it to the point where he, he knows how to do something about the chi in the body and do that same thing Avatar can do. And he takes away people's bending. And it's this great dark plot that I was like, this show already feels a little bit more mature well, what it, was, what it was doing, I think, if you are a fan of Avatar, you grew up like, you know, you were 
there's a lot of people who maybe were in their, you know, early, the preteen era, but either way, everyone who watched Avatar grew up and this was definitely geared toward a more mature audience. That mm-hmm. okay, right off the bat, we know this isn't all unicorns and rainbows. Yes, there was some edginess in Avatar, but overall it was a lot more fun and lighthearted where this one, it's very serious and it's more serious matters. It's more, yeah, I'd say like, teenage to young adult situations and yeah there's still a lot of humor like clearly bolin is our new sokka like character he although he's a extremely talented bender he is that goofy guy that just wants attention and he you know he wants to get dates and he's not really the best at charming the ladies and he just he he ends up becoming unlike sokka sokka was quite the ladies man let's just let's just put out there he was i mean (laughs) even got the moon uh, <laughs> but Bolin like becomes like a movie star, right? That's a great concept that um, he, you know, they have like the moving pictures, which is so funny. Cause again, talking about this time era where they set this, it kind of reminds you of the whole setting is kind of like, this could be like the 1920s, the way the city looks with some of the technology. It's not quite a movie like we're used to with like full audio. It's a lot of like those like talking pictures that's just a great plot line, but a huge thing about this show that was a little darker than I think they did with Avatar is, of course, they wanted to kill Aang in the first you know, few seasons. That was a big plot point of we need to kill and destroy the Avatar. This took it a little darker because it took a lot more about like trying to take her power away. Yes, they'll kill her, but also ending the full Avatar cycle to never have an Avatar again. That was a big like thing. Well, it it, it, del- it delved or di- dove dove deeper. Excuse me, I dove deeper. Dovided. <laughs> it dove deeper into the mythology of the Avatar because mm-hmm. they you know talked about the Avatar cycle as this long ago, of course, Aang and any Avatar can go back and talk to the past lives of the Avatar, and they hint that it's a long generation. This one went to the very beginning of the Avatar itself. That was really cool. Because we have that cool scene in Avatar in season three where Aang is, he he talks to this giant lion turtle and that's who teaches him the technique of how to take away bending, which I thought, what a brilliant way to end the show with the whole time he's talking about, I don't want to kill the Fire Lord because he's not, he's not someone that wants to kill anybody. Although let's be, let's be real. Sometimes in those big attacks with submarines and stuff, I'm sure Aang probably killed some guys. Um, some of those wind attacks are really strong. But you have this plot line in season three of Zaheer, who was a like master criminal who, because of this whole spiritual convergence that happens in book two, all of a sudden a huge group of people now all of a sudden become airbenders, which is yeah. like, that was a cool concept where it's like, you're kind of getting used to the fact that if you're not a bender already, you're never going to become a bender. No, well, because of this yeah. whole thing that, you know, book two is all about Korra having to deal with the spirit world, this huge dark spirit that's trying to come and like bring spirits to everything. And it, it had some similar plot points to season one. Again, we had these two dueling brothers of that are both waterbenders. You know, it's, it's, it's Korra's dad and his brother. Who's there, this, there was a know, lot of this, there, a lot of the yin yang uh, battling it out where it left into season three was cool because it was like, Oh, now all these new people have air bending technique. And the whole idea was when the show started, 
there was not many airbenders. There's like six or seven of them, really. And one of them is the hero, is this ultimate mastermind who goes around and getting all of his friends that are like ultimate crazy benders. And their whole goal for the whole season is I want to capture the avatar. I want to poison her with the stuff that's going to make her turn into the avatar state, which is when the avatar has this ultimate power is like untouchable. But if they're killed in the avatar state, game over and it's just like it's creepy and it's messed up and it's like pretty dark stuff you know thinking for it's still a nickelodeon show and it still has that kid element although it's a little more mature i think it was kind of cool that for the fourth and final season we had more of that kind of military bad guy we actually had robin williams like a late great robin williams his daughter zelda played kuvira who was this kind of like hell-bent military person that was kind of like my army's going to take over and now you belong to me and it kind of led to this giant battle with that it kind of reminded me of um oh what's that show it's not transformers but kind of power rangers you're saying Gung- yeah. gungam or whatever it's called with like the giant robots oh yeah. yes okay yeah it was kind of like that you know this giant giant machine they have to take down but there was great bad guys in every season you know i like that they had a different bad guy for each book it wasn't they kind of changed it up the, the ongoing growth of her character was what kept you watching more uh, there was still a lot of great humor the connections there's also this crazy love triangle going on because <laughs> whereas ang and katara you kind of got that they were kind of destined and Sokka was kind of with a couple different girls and stuff the whole thing is right off the bat it's like oh cora and mako there's something there But there's also the prettiest character ever animated in the world, Asami. Yeah, sounds like a sushi dish. (laughs) But a total babe. Yeah. And (laughs) Mako and her, Mako and her are kind of doing their dating thing. And there was that great awkward moment where Korra comes back and comes in and just kisses Mako. And Asami's like, (sighs) and Mako just can't, you know, Bolin's like, Sue. When are you gonna tell yeah. Asami that you know it's like I'm gonna get to it, and of course he keeps like butting in. He's like, "Did you tell her yet?" Yeah, <laughs> there's this the very awkward and you know great love triangle between the three of them. But I like how the fact that it wasn't a constant like ridiculous element throughout the show that it was like, okay, this is annoying. This back and forth stuff. I did like the fact that it progressed like seemingly natural where then they were like, they were became really good friends and like, we've got to put our side uh, goofiness aside and we've got to, you know, save the world. Uh, one of my favorite characters though, introduced uh, early on, it was of course uh, beautifully portrayed and hilariously portrayed uh, by John Michael Higgins, as mm-hmm. who is the very, he's very like a 1940s, you know, airman, this very like big, large in life, like uh, announcer, like, titan of industry but he's like oh you know we're gonna do wonderful things here and he just like he bonkers he's a bonkers character because his concepts keep getting wilder and crazier and it it always seems like not feasible but somehow he has all the money to do it and he even at times is kind of a twisted character like you get there's a darkness there but i think it comes from a good place because he just he yeah he's he's almost like that mad scientist character where it's just like, he has all these crazy ideas and he has the poor uh, Judy, right? I think is his Jolie. 
Julie. Julie, yeah. Julie, yeah. Oh, Joe always is telling her to do things, and she's and but eventually they get married, and that was kind of like a nice, you know, it was a cute little plot point, yeah. cute little plot point. But all these all these little relationships, and even a uh, Arby Plaza uh, plays this character Eska, who is a waterbender, and is her and her brother. They're this. They're the um, children of kind of the ultimate bad guy in book two, and she ends up like falling deeply in love with Bolin. Oh, but like she has that very, clinger. very Aubrey Plaza, that kind of like, you're so cute, like very dark. And there's this whole plot line of him, like, like him trying to break up with her. And she like, looks like she's been crying and stuff. And then whenever he sees her, he's like, ah, runs away. And it's like, again, I think it was a little more of that mature, more of that, like, people that would be dating in high school relationships as opposed to like middle school. That's what the show felt like. It was taking more of those themes and really blending in this story that had all these great continuations of the Avatar show because we had we had moments where we saw Avatar Aang back to talk to Korra a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord Zuko is still alive in his old age. Toph is still alive in her old age. <laughs> hasn't um, changed at all. And she hasn't changed at all. When we Taylor actually nailed it on the head, saying that she was like the grandma of the group when she was a kid. Well, when she actually is a grandma in, you know, modern. She was a, she was a professional grandmother her whole life. She was, she's <laughs> just like, she, you know, she meets Cora for the first time and is like, how's it going, Twinkle Toes? You know, right back to her old ways. Well, and, and t- speaking of Toph, her lineage, I, we have got great characters with her two daughters from two. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Two, and they're, they're, they're basically their half-sisters because, you know, Toph, you know, of course, <laughs> Toph would have, you know, different romances and stuff because she's a, she's a tough woman to live with. And, but I <laughs> love the fact that her, there's a great plot between the two sisters where you see the, they both are very opposite, but they're like the best of the best and worst of Toph. And I love that. Also, the fact you're talking about Tenzin, where he had a little romance romance going mm-hmm. on with. Well, uh, I love. Okay, Minnie Sterling plays Lynn, who we most famously know for being in the Austin Powers movies. Yes. So like you're so used to you know like her screaming and being you know so funny. I'm lit in those movies and in this she is a completely different character yeah she, just no this, nonsense no nonsense like, no nails. awesome and they've developed this metal bending that becomes like that's kind of what the force the police use they have this kind of like long wires and stuff they use to like capture people and her sister is also a metal bender and you see this whole kind of cool city that is like been developed from metal bending and that was just like a cool like okay it feels like we've advanced a lot from although there was some cities in avatar that were more developed it was a lot of like huts and more like small little villages and now we're seeing like these really oz like towns and it's like it was pretty impressive little metal flowers that open up you know but that did that did lead straight a lot into especially the book four because you know, it's like her, her, her son is, um, her sister's son is going to date this girl who ends up becoming, you know, the ultimate bad guy of the whole series. And he's like, I'm not going to be on my mom's side anymore. And, you know, and all this stuff. And it was kind of powerful. Again, this idea of, as you said, family doesn't necessarily mean that 
family stays together. You know, you choose your family, you choose who you stick with, you choose who's your tribe. That's a big part of all this, both shows that, you know, people kind of, you know, Mako and Bolin, they end up at one point finding a lot of their family. Of course, they don't know, the family doesn't know that their parents are dead. Yeah. But this idea that they kind of do find their family, but really their family is with uh, Korra and, you know, Asami. They kind of like, Asami, pretty. I mean, gosh, they her hair is just like so pretty. I'm like, oh yeah. Well, when you first introduce her, she takes her helmet. It's like, whoosh, maybe it's. Oh. Um, but I, I, what, what's so great about all those seasons? They do really build off each other in a realistic way. Like, and at the very end, it, it's very interesting though. The last season, very similar to what happened with both avatars, where she is a great theme not great for her dealing with it, but it's a very powerful theme that she deals with this PTSD as Mm -hmm. uh, she, one of her last big battles that she literally overcome with fear. Like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And she really comes out of that because Korra is not a huge, you know, powerful presence in the last season until the very end. And that that's a great element that I really like about uh, showing her that vulnerability because throughout the whole series she has to learn humility because she's been bred with this idea that oh i'm the avatar like embraces it wholeheartedly excitedly not it's it's my it's my duty it's like oh i'm excited it's it's not it's such a different aspect there's a lot more that goes with it than just a title doesn't necessarily mean that you're a rock star yeah it's a full-time job and there's a lot that goes with it that's not just the fortune and fame part which i think is what she had that eye on the prize and it 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 does pay for both you know you see the lineage of ang someone that was afraid of that destiny and then ends up facing it whereas cora is so head on for it and ends up having to face as you said humility having to face the darker parts of being the avatar and then at the end seizing the day so cora is a great series and it was a great follow-up for avatar it's not as good as Avatar, you know, nothing will be. No, there was a lot of, I think there was a lot of controversy with that show because people compared it so much to Avatar. And like, I, I get it. You, when you, it sets such a big standard, but you have to enjoy Legend of Korra what it is. But I thought it does carry the story very well. And of course there's, uh, you know, of course for a cartoon, it ended on a very interesting note. Uh, it did, yeah. We kind of end with this little like, I think there's kind of a romance between Korra and Asami. Yes, which I was very surprised. I didn't see that coming. Korra, Asami, one. Mako, zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was kind of surprising. I mean, it's really subtle, and it's just in the very last minute of, you know, Asami's like, I'd always wanted to see the spirit world. And Korra's like, let's go. And they hold hands together and go into the spirit world. And that's where the show ends. It's kind of like, okay, it's a nice loving touch because maybe they're so over these boys that they, they're, they've, you know, but I think again, sisterhood was a big thing. They kind of, although they were, yes, they were kind of like rivals for rivals for a long guy, time. Yeah. They kind of learned that they have such a deep bond and this well, friendship. And such strong willed characters. Again, another great theme with this series is strong female characters. Yeah. So going away from, the two cartoon shows um we did have the live adaptation movie directed by m night Shyamalan. i have not seen that movie i refuse to see that movie i've heard it's the worst movie <laughs> i heard it is such a bad 
I mean, you already know it's bad when the character of Aang is Ong. <laughs> already, already, you, you, you have, you have multiple years of hearing Aang and you decided to go with Ong. You bored already, it. <laughs> already bad. And also, you know, clearly, as we've been talking about, although it's not like full hit on the head, the whole show is so much about rep- representation of Asian cultures. And, you know, the movie is a lot of like white people playing these There's parts. There's a lot of white like, what, what, what are you doing? It's just like, th- they could have done so much more and it's been panned as you know a terrible representation of the show. It's just like, yeah, I still haven't seen it. But we do know that the creators of the animated show were working with Netflix to do an adaptation via live action for Netflix. Unfortunately, the most recent news we heard is that those creators have now left the project. So I don't know if there's something that they did not agree with or Netflix was not willing to do. So now we're not really sure what's going to happen with this potential live action show. As much as I, you know, would love to see the live action because it's cool to see with the CGI and all that stuff. I just don't think you can ever capture the show the way it was. Mm. And I'd rather see a new animated series that's a continuation or even a prequel of Avatar. Show like, you know, maybe Avatar Roku during his time when he's younger or even further back. You know, I'd rather have them go back to the 2D animated style with some of that computer animation then try a live action if these guys who did the show so well and really polished it aren't involved. Yeah, I, I think just because we've seen too many times where a show is passed on, the baton is passed on, uh, when you've already established a mythology, a story, and a franchise that people love, and then you pass it on to someone else that may have a love for it, but they don't have the same vision or dream. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. I'd rather them just shelve it completely or maybe a continuation of the animated because I think with this style of show, animated just works really well for it because it, it, it packages it great and it also appeals to multiple generations and different ages. And, that's there's, and there's still those cartoony moments where like, you know, sometimes there'll be such a shocking moment that the face yeah, the eyes are like, like really big eyes or like the mouth gets really, you know, like huge and there'll be like that kind of like, again, that kind of anime humor with like maybe like little circles around the eyes or something, you know, there's still stuff like that plays really well to the animated style that I just don't think you're going to capture in a live action um, version. So curious to see what happens. There's been no update. All we know is that recently the two guys that ran the show uh, left the project. So who knows what's going to be happening with the future of Avatar, but you know, it's been now a couple years since Korra ended. So I'd be intrigued to see what they would do if they were to you know bring it back um in some form but two really solid series yes you know we're checking out on netflix uh always good for a rewatch as well and you know most of them there's a few episodes in avatar that are double episodes so it's like 40 minutes but every episode's like 20 minutes long you know it's just like your normal sitcom so they're not they're not long episodes it's not long seasons they're they're pretty standard you can get through them pretty pretty easily so i mean it's just still one of my all-time favorite shows and i i can't recommend it enough well i'd be happy to go back and forth and of course for those of you who've been listening and enjoyed 
reminiscing and going back through these incredible series, you know, go back and watch them again. Maybe this will inspire you to have another listen. And oh, I forgot about that. But mm-hmm. definitely, I'm glad you turned me on to the series. I'm, I'm very impressed. And I think it's truly a gem that's been created that is a kid's show, but it encapsulates so many different themes that you don't find in a kid's show or animated. And it's something that I think we need more of programs like this today that promote amazing themes of diversity and positivity, inner peace and female empowerment and so many countless themes that I think we all can look back and look on and really appreciate, you know, where we are and where we can go. And because there is a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential. Ding, ding. There it is. Now, of course, before we end today's episode, you know, there's a lot of exciting things going on. It's, it is November, but you know, we just had Mandalorian season two just started premiering you know, this last weekend. So we got that going on. Uh, we have a new game system. I don't know if you've heard about it coming up next week. I think uh, I've heard something about it. Uh, you know, Something about a five and a play about a five, something like that. Yeah, um, sure. And you know, still, there's still a lot of these great movies that are coming straight to streaming. Again, we're not really going to be seeing new movies in the theater. There's a few that are out, but again, they're not by any means the ones that look great. I think the next kind of movies that are going to come out in theaters, if they stick to their dates as of now, would be Free Guy and Wonder Woman 1984 in December. So we'll see if that stays because, you know, unfortunately, we are going into winter soon and uh, COVID might be sticking around. So uh, we're just kind of keeping, again, we remind you to... Wear your masks, wash your hands, keep your distance, be keep safe. safe. Yes. But and again, you have keep all the stuff to watch. Yeah. Stay positive. Go watch this show. Watch Avatar. Watch Korra. You will cry. You will smile. You will laugh. You'll be on the edge of your seat. You'll have a good time. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know know your your potential. potential.